Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Maximum Octane. I am your ringleader, Kim Hickey. Today, joining me is Mr. Patrick Connell. What makes him so amazing is he's so inspirational. Gosh, he's a wonderful leader. He's very passionate about his internal customers, his external customers. He does so much to help others around him too, as part of the industry that we are in, the automotive industry and just always giving. So I'm really excited to have you today, Patrick. Thank you for joining me. Wow. Wow. I don't know. It's all downhill after that. It's all downhill. Thank you so much for that. So you are the CEO of two very successful businesses. You have Delaware Truck Refinishers and ARS Fleet Service. And the links to both of those businesses will be in the comments of the show notes when you read that, as well as your LinkedIn and your business LinkedIn. So I I really highly encourage everybody to check you out when they get a minute and see what you're doing. So part of why I wanted to have you on here today is the world is changing, right? We don't need anyone to to do that or a podcast host to be like, Hey, the world is changing, right? We all know that, but, but very few of us are doing anything to change, to change with it. And I love that you started out with one business model and then said, Hey, you know, maybe this isn't the right one for us at this time. And just flipped it on its head and and went in a totally different direction. So if that's okay, I'd love yeah. to start with that. So you want to talk a little bit about your original business model and then how you came to change it? Yeah. So um, interesting that you say that, you know, the world is changing. What a, what a way to set this up because literally my change came from a significant change in my world, which was my dad and I were working together. Uh, this was 1999 and we were working together in auto repair. We had a small automotive shop and a parts store, and we were building a car wash at the same time on the property next door. He was, uh, I believe, 51 at the time and had a stroke out of the blue. He got up in the morning and went to raise his arm to shave and his arm went down and he raised it back up and his arm went down again. And long story short, he was having a debilitating stroke. So in 1999, We went from general auto repair with my six foot three, 250 pound father working every day to the very next day, never working again. So life, as you just said, the world is changing around us, had massive change in my world. So, you know, where we went from there, I'll I'll condense some of this because I could go on for a long time. But what we did was we had that conversation of uh, with my mom, first of all. 
uh, she said, wow, what, what do we do now? And of course, the strong wanting to be supportive son said, I got it. We're, we're good. You know, you, you do what you need to do and you take care of dad. And she was the breadwinner at the time. I mean, how many of us have had that story where mom is working a job and dad is building a shop and we allow the shop to go on and on and on and on without making any money, all in the name of we're building our business, right? Well, that was at the time, that was the case. So he, at 51, we did not have disability for him. He could not work again. And my mom retired from nursing and she was not going to work again. So I was left with a small auto repair shop, a car wash that was just getting complete and not nearly enough income. So the change to a fleet business, how that came from that was sitting there and thinking, okay, what do I do now? What's the, what's the fastest way for me to grow this business and support my parents that are now at home uh, having medical bills, building and all of those other things. And what came to me was, I don't want to run an ad for oil changes and drive one guy in here with one car. And I want to go to one guy with 30 cars. And I think I can build it faster that way. So I walked down the street. I went to an electrician down the road and met with him and told him I was in the fleet business and we did fleet repair. And he bought right away, said, wow, we need somebody. Uh, we don't have a solution for that. And that was my first fleet customer. So you just went there not having a fleet yeah. business <laughs> yeah. and said, yeah, here's what we do. That's fantastic. I, I just know I needed revenue, right? I needed to figure it out. I needed to, to come up with a solution. And, and uh, the short way to do that, the fastest way to do that was to get as many vehicles as I could at one time. And it just, you know, to me, it seemed like if one guy is going to control 20 or 30 or 40 vehicles, I want to know that guy. Uh, I don't want to know the guy with two cars in his driveway. I want to know the guy with 30 trucks in his lot. And that was the start. So, and that's, that's how it kicked off. So with that happening, when, when you have the typical, we'll just call it a retail repair and, yeah. and service business, and, and you're waiting for people to come into you and, you know, hopefully you're doing marketing and things to help drive that. But the, the model of the fleet business is completely different. So what kind of things did you have to do to be able to make that transition? And even with the mindset and beliefs of your internal customers? Yeah, you know, so that's a really, that's a great question because I get asked that question all the time. I get, I get a, a phone call or two a week now from somebody that's doing a, that, that runs a retail facility and says, Hey, we want to do some fleet. You know, we're going to, we're going to jump in and what's the easiest way to do that. So how I would answer that question back then was what did we do? We didn't know what to do. I just jumped in and we're going to figure this out as we go. And one thing I realized I was good at, a talent that I, I quickly realized I had that served me well moving forward was uh, I was very good at listening to the customer and what his need was. And then we would develop it behind the scenes. Or as some of the people that are still with me now that were with me then will tell you, uh, I made promises that we couldn't keep because I said, sure, we do that. And then we go back and we figure out, all right, now what? Because we don't do that. How do we do that? And we would figure it out and come up with a solution. But the, the bottom line is that I really didn't know what I was doing then. And it wasn't until probably four years later, it was 2000, that was 1999. It was 2003 where I realized I got to have a plan. The first few years were just create money, pay these bills. 2004, it was, all right, this is a real business. I've, I've got a 
I've got to come up with a plan. And 2005, we left our retail business behind. Um, we left all of those customers behind. We moved. I moved the business and gave them no notice. I, I made a commitment that we're leaving retail behind and we are going to commit to the fleet market. So, and understand when I say retail, that's what I define as the, the everyday uh, general repair shop. And we tend to sometimes call the fleet business, the wholesale side. So right. uh, when you hear me reference to that, that's what that is. So, so we went in not knowing a whole lot, but we, we really listened to our clientele and we, we learned a lot early on. So a leap of faith only gets you so far, right? So yeah. you, you, you took this leap of faith. You said, I want to go in this direction. And, and my guess would be that there were probably naysayers that said, you don't want to do fleets because we hear it all the time. They, you have to wait for your money. They want you to drop everything when they come in. Yeah. They want reduced rates. You have to do it when it's convenient for them. And if you lose a fleet, then you're losing a big chunk of your business. So what would yeah. you say to yeah. those naysayers? And how did you handle the naysayers that wow. said, Patrick, are you crazy? You don't want to do this. Well, let, let me tell you, because at that time, I was a member of an auto service association. And part of what led me to thinking that I could have some inroads in fleet and create revenue quick was I'd go to these monthly meetings and everybody would be complaining about what you just said. We'd go when we'd have our meetings and dinner in the evenings and, and everyone would complain about the fleet they had and they didn't get paid and the truck was dirty and it was had ladder racks and you know all these obstacles. To me, all of those obstacles, all I could smell was opportunity. Okay, if none of you want to do that, this is what I'm thinking in my head, well, then that's what I want to do because I don't want to be swimming in the same pond as all of you know, all of you, you're all vying for the same things. And this sounds like a trouble area. So a lot of niches come out of right, it's pro business is problem solving. So I thought there was a problem to be solved. And I thought if I address those problems, I might be able to do this, you know, reasonably well. And, you know, I, I, I think in a lot of ways we have. So yeah, there was a ton of naysayers. Most of them were my fellow shops. And uh, we, we had some experiences there to say the least. Oh, I, I bet you, I bet you did. I bet, <laughs> I bet I, I you will, did. <laughs> yeah, I will say that also, uh, you know, further down the road, six, seven months down the road, as we ventured into fleet and really started to get some traction and uh, get pretty good at it. Uh, some of those same complainers that I listened to at these meetings were none too happy with us. When I had a lot of sidebar conversations that, you know, you took my fleet, you came after this business and I was like, boy, I heard for years you didn't want this business. I didn't know I was taking anything from you. We just did the right thing for the customer and they came. That's how that went. But yeah, there was there was quite a bit of that. So it was a fun start for us. Wow. So you mentioned then that first you had that leap of faith. Then you realized four years later, like, okay, this is an actual business. <laughs> so I have to have a plan now. This is no more on a shoestring yeah. or a two wishes and a pinky swear and a so so what did that plan look like and how did how did that start out you know the the realization of okay if we're going to do this it was very obvious what the where we were failing uh during those first few years we were trying to do cars and trucks we were trying to do retail and wholesale we were you know just doing everything and we realized we weren't the best at anything I did have at that point a great appreciation for the business to business relationship. Again, my strength of listening to the customer and being able to develop 
start was starting to come through. So I knew at that point I wanted to commit to the to the fleet business. And to do that, you know, we made a large commitment, which was real estate and equipment, uh, the proper the proper building on that real estate. You know, I, I made a large investment and and went all in. Pick up and delivery early on. Pick up and delivery vehicles, uh, new equipment, new tools, uh, lots of things. Getting in the fleet business, you know, it, it's a big deal. It's difficult to you know go in halfway. And I think sometimes you know you referenced you hear all of these things from other shops of where they struggle. I think a lot of that comes from they're only in halfway. You know, I'm a big believer that if you're going to be in the fleet business, it should be a separate vertical. And it should be a, a business plan, uh, an investment, uh, all the things that you would do if you were starting from the ground up. And that's what we did. We, we, I restarted from the ground up from the right real estate, the right building, uh, the right equipment, the right hours, everything it took to service commercial vehicles we invested in. You just mentioned about just kind of not being all in, right? And we see that in a lot of small businesses you know, we're going to dabble in this and see how it it works. We're going to try that. And there's never that full 100% or 110% commitment and they don't have the budget for it or the capital. And so they're trying to use this piece of equipment that's really not meant for that and do things. And then they're shocked when it fails. And when you think about your internal customers to, to go to them and say, listen, we're going to do this. We're going to service our external customers we're going to make all these wonderful things happen, but we don't really have the right equipment. We don't have the money to back it. We we don't have time to put all of our efforts into this. And it's such a mixed message. And it's, it, it's shocking to me every time when someone is surprised, right. That it doesn't sort of pan out. Right. And it's like, Oh yeah, I tried that for a few months and it didn't. And you, you really have to commit and every entity of your business, every piece of it has to be its own business and that, you know, same focus and processes mm-hmm. and, and all of that. So how long do you think it took you to really understand what you bid off and what was this going to become? Fairly quickly. And I, w- I will add real quick that you said that, you know, in business, you have to be able to commit, right? Uh, you know, that's all angles of life. If you really think about that from your relationships to everything else, if you are not 100% committed, you're not going to get a satisfactory result or the other party is not going to get a satisfactory result. And in working in the fleet business, my first goal was create revenue. It was selfish, right? It was to solve my own problem. But then I quickly realized, okay, now that I'm in this space, I have to solve the problems of others and we're we're going to have to commit if we're going to make this sustainable and get this to grow. So it was early on. I'll, I'll share one story with you. And that's it. You know, my second or third client, a large plumbing company at the time, it was 20 vehicles. Now we handle fleets that are hundreds of vehicles. But at the time, it was 20 some vehicles. And this guy brings me in. He says, I want you to talk to my whole staff and tell them what we're going to do. Talk to all the drivers and, you know, all the things you can do for them. That's great. That's, let's go. So this was my first experience as a fleet you know, basically, quote unquote, management kind of company. Also, I'm going in and I'm speaking to a staff about their mobile assets and how we have to preserve them and service them and what we can do differently to do that. So I'm having this talk and he says to his entire staff and they pick them up and deliver them from your house. Well, I don't know where he got that from (laughs) because I never said that. 
I've got like two or three of my staff members with me and he looks at me and he says, they pick them up and deliver them. And the whole room lights up and says, so on Saturday we can just call them and they come pick it up and oh. we don't have to worry about bringing it to the shop. And he's like, that's exactly right. And I'm shaking my head. Yeah, that that's what we do. Cause you're looking at 20, 20 trucks in front of you saying, this is, we hit the payload. So We're going to figure is, it out. Right. So uh, I'm thinking, okay, you know, here we go. And I, I leave that meeting and we get in the car and the other two people I have with me, a service writer and one of my technicians, you know, they're staring at me. They're like, what did you just commit to? I'm like, I don't know. He asked, I don't, well, where did he get that from? I said, I don't know where he got it from, but I didn't know what to do. So I said, yes, we do that. And by the next Monday, the phone's ringing to pick up on Saturday and service their truck. And, you know, we figured it out. We listened to the customer and we figured it out. But to be honest, I, I could probably give you five more stories like that, where the business grew from the need of the, of the industry, of the, of the client. Early on, I just said yes to a lot of things. And then I figured it out. We, we're, we're much better about that now. We figure it out first and then we say yes. So, but, but early on, it was, it was a learning experience. But the skill of listening is so it is paramount to success with anything that, as you were stating, personal relationships, business, anything that you do. And too often in business, big business, small business, any business, we totally put the company's needs and in front of the, the consumer, right? The customer in front of the internal and external customers. And then businesses started getting a little smarter and saying, okay, now we got to put the internal customers needs ahead of the external customers. And as as each piece moved down the road and we got more electronic and all these things, it's like, we remove ourselves from the customer needs. We remove ourselves from the customer needs. We remove each layer that, that we build in today's world. That's so busy and everything else. And and it's getting almost a hands-off approach. And and a lot of Mm -hmm. people are not listening to the customers anymore. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for them about that? It's the number one skill that you need to work on. Read every book you can, listen to every podcast you can. You know, the, the, the skill that will help you probably more than anything is mastering active listening. You know, there's a difference between listening and active listening. Active listening is trying to comprehend and understand exactly what is being said to you, what the meanings of what somebody else is saying, what they're really looking for from you as an individual, as a, as a business. And if you can master that skill of active listening, and then you can take the next steps and really spend time with what you've heard and evaluate that and create action steps from there, success is almost guaranteed. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm seeing also more and more a trend of businesses are putting up so many rules and so many hoops to jump through before you could do business with them. And I think to myself, my gosh, how the heck does anybody want to do this? I just, for example, I had a slow leak in my right front tire and there's a shop close to my house. And I thought, well, let me call them and see, you know, can I, can I drop it over there at night and pick it up the next day? And I called and I mean, their answering machine was like, you know, we're busy on the phone. Don't, you know, and don't leave a message. Their their answering machine or whatever voicemail message said, do not leave a message because we will not call you back. You know, call us back and try us again in a little while, you know, try us again tomorrow. And I thought, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. I mean, you have to be kidding me. So, but then because of what I do for a living that piqued my interest. And I'm like, if they're this 
standoffish and this difficult, like on a, on a voice message, like I just am dying to hear what the heck do they say on the phone, you know? So I called just to see and finally got them. And I don't know, they were, they couldn't look at it for three weeks, a month or, and it was like all this, no, and we don't do that. And we don't do this. And we don't do, and I was like, wow, you guys, you know, bless your little hearts. They must be getting funnels of people from somewhere. But I thought this is not great customer service, right? This is not inviting. This is not listening. And when you completely make the business model about yourself and, and what you want, it leaves something, it leaves something, right? I mean, for people to Mm -hmm. want to go there and it's Mm -hmm. a fine line, you know, everybody has to have processes and, and things, right. To have a successful business. But when that becomes bigger than everything else, there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Kim, I I would also add to that, that, you know, there's a, the larger problem to that is, you know, like you said, thank goodness that company is so busy, right. And they can, you know, they're, they're able to do that, but they will suffer from that as well, because in this robust market right now that we're all participating in, you know, those that don't find ways to continue advancing with the client uh, internally and externally, where they don't continue to build those relationships, although they may not feeling any of the pain right now because the market is so robust and there's such a high demand, they will feel the pain later when the market's tight. Uh, that's where it, we really see who's doing the work behind the scenes. And right now, although it's very, very busy for a lot of facilities, now is the time more than ever to do the work behind the scenes on your business because it's going to pay when the tides go back out and the tides always go back out. So that guy right there who's not answering the phone, who doesn't want to have your message and all that kind of stuff, he's the same guy that's going to complain how bad business is in a year or two or three whenever it uh, whenever it swings. So now's the time to work on your business, not just put on your Superman cape and think that everything you've done has made you the greatest thing since sliced bread. I, I, I think if we're not profitable right now, you know, you're, you're probably really doing something wrong. So <laughs> it's a robust market and we have to work on our businesses in robust markets, not take it for granted. Thank you for sharing that. So with your internal customers, you mentioned that you sort of made some promises that maybe were not realistic and they watched you agree to pick up 20 fleets on <laughs> Saturdays of, of mm-hmm. no less and do all of that. How did you get the buy-in from your internal customers on, listen, this is, here's the vision. This is what we're doing. I, I know I'm saying yes to things that maybe you guys don't think are possible. How did you get that buy-in from them to, to support this? <sighs> I think they trusted me. I think they trusted. I think I had a proven track record already of making sure that that my people, that they saw how important they were to me. So I think there was a level of trust that I was offered during that period where I probably was uh, shouldn't have been. Um, <laughs> so I think I think I think some of the times before that earned me a little bit of grace that got us through that. And honestly, I think that that, that really was the key that. I trusted them and and they trusted me. And some of them are are still with me today. And uh, we we laugh about those days. Oh, I bet there's a lot of a lot of fun jokes at the holiday parties. I I bet (laughs) different different things. Leadership and your team. I I know that that is a huge piece of what you do in your success. Can you speak about that a little bit? I mean, we've always had, you know, from the beginning, 
And uh, really in the last 10 years, uh, even more, you know, we've really, really focused on what's important to me and what's important to this company, which is from the bottom up, we talk every day about, you know, our number one mission. And our number one mission is to, to create better humans and to develop young men and women. And, you know, all of us benefit from that. And all of us do benefit from that. So we service trucks. We have a great purpose behind that because we service ambulances and school buses and all of these things that we talk about so much of what matters and why it matters. But more than anything, we talk about the relationships we have and what we do for each other and how we will all benefit from that. So our leadership and our mission of leadership is really to develop leaders every day. And the business and the success of the business will come out of that, not the other way around, which is work on the numbers and the KPIs and the business and then hope that leaders come out of that. That that has not worked. We build leaders first and the business is always prospered because of that. That's a big disconnect also with many business owners when when the dollar is the number one priority. It it, it really skews things. And we always say if you do the right thing for the right reason, the rest, the rest will come, right? The rest will follow. Yeah. So creating better humans, that that is a pretty Pretty tall order there and a very uh, robust goal for sure. What are yeah. some of the things that you do to help grow that vision and, and ensure that we are really creating better humans and, and not just saying that, right, that we're actually doing it? We have a mentoring program internally. We have a lot of other programs that support them to create better people. But uh, honestly, I think what we do is that we're just genuine and we're trustworthy and we're, we're a facility that is guided by seven principles that we've had for many years. We discuss those principles every single day. We work towards a tribal mentality. Uh, we care about the families that are involved in our business, the hundreds of people. You know, we have probably, I think, 60 people, 65 people right now. But, you know, with kids and parents and everything else, you know, it's 400 or 500 people that depend on this company. And because of that, we work really hard at making sure that everybody from top to bottom understands their role in supporting all 400 of those people and what we do matters. And when you really talk about purpose and you really talk about what matters, it just comes out of that naturally. Um, I think that your team will, will give you the latitude when they see it being lived every day, they'll give you the latitude to, to influence them. They'll give you more space to influence them more and, and, and then eventually start to buy in. And I think that we've, you know, we're, we're doing pretty well in that area right now. That is just, it's so amazing. It's just so incredible what you've been able to do. So Patrick, tell me about an unproductive habit that you may have had that you've exchanged for a more productive one. And uh, what kind of impact has that made? Uh, I didn't know this podcast was going to go on for hours. I mean, I could go on for hours about that. <laughs> Just a Jeez. day or two. Yeah. It's like a filibuster um, over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I'm lazy. Uh, I'm inherently lazy. I have to fight that all the time. And I don't know. I just wait. I just got to stop for a minute because I'm sitting here <laughs> knowing everything that you've accomplished. And I'm sure the listeners aren't going. Okay, if that dude is lazy, then I am just a sloth and I might as well just hang it up. So, all right. So you're, I mean, you're... My, my natural tendency is to not want to do as much as I do, but uh, I'll be honest. So an unproductive habit with that, what I'm saying is I can, I changed my morning routine. 
I'm an early person that starts with exercise. And uh, that has really kicked off a lot of change in my life. There's no doubt about that. So I'm up early. I function at a high level early because I'm getting a lot of oxygen. I get a good workout. I I have a lot of interaction early in my day. So for me, a, a habit that had to be changed was how I started my day. And it really allows me to operate at a much higher level throughout the entire day. Uh, I'm certainly one that believes that if you win the morning, you win the day. And that's something that I I focus on every day. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing and just for being you and all that you do to build leaders and mentoring people and just all of the, the great things that you do. So it was really a pleasure. And hopefully you will come back on because I'd love to have some conversations with you again about the future of our industry. And you had mentioned something earlier on about making things convenient for, and I think there's a lot of people missing out on whatever business that they're in and especially automotive that how do we make it more convenient and and get out of the old ways? So I'm I'm going to ask you while we're on air to come back because I I think I have a better chance of you saying yes, if we're live. (laughs) I, I certainly, I certainly will, but, but it's not because it's not because it's because of who you are and what you're doing. I really believe in in the mission of your work as well, Kim. So I, I would be honored to do that. I'm very thankful for what you do. Thank you so much, Patrick. Everybody stay safe, make good choices and stay inspired. And I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can. 